as I mentioned, not long ago, we had this reading in the daily readings, because remember, our, our uh, readings rotate, okay, versus the weekday versus weekends. The weekends, the gospel readings, we have year A, year B, and year C. What you just heard, we are in year A. So they rotate A, B, C each year. The readings during the week, we have year one and year two. So they only rotate twice. So once in a while, they will overlap. That's what happened here. Now, when I gave a talk on this last time, I think I missed the most important thing. Of all that that I, I, I mentioned, I think I missed the biggest point, and that's the last line. Now, these men knew the scriptures, but they didn't recognize Jesus. And it says in the last line, he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. It doesn't say the scriptures. This is ultimately to understand, ultimately to understand Jesus is in the Eucharist, even more so than the scriptures. In the scriptures, you hear about Jesus. We have two parts of the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. In the Liturgy of the Word, we hear about Jesus. This is good. Nothing else comes after it if we don't have this. This is absolutely essential, and we don't move forward without it. But in the Liturgy of the Word, in the Scriptures, we hear about Jesus. But it is in the Eucharist that we come to meet Jesus. You know, I've always heard about different people or certain people, okay? I always heard about Mark Wahlberg, all right? And then for our TV show, I actually went to Boston to meet him, to sit down with him. And it was an entirely different experience. You know, you see him on screen and... He's this, you know, tough character and, and, you know, sometimes the way of the world and his language and whatnot, when you sit down with him, he basically was the most respectful and honorable person. He thanked me profusely for the priesthood and thanked my father, because I mentioned our conversation, my dad is a Vietnam veteran, flew helicopters out of Da Nang, and he spent most of the time thanking my dad for his service. It was when I come to meet him that I, I, it, it takes it beyond just reading about him. Now, that's not to mean this scripture isn't the ultimate. Yes, it is ultimately where we are introduced to Christ, but it is in the Eucharist where we meet him. These two parts of the Mass, it's about hearing about him, and that's beautiful, needed, necessary. But yet, ultimately, the greatest understanding from Christ comes in meeting him. And that's the whole message of this passage. The men to Emmaus knew the scriptures. They heard about the Messiah, the prophecies of Isaiah and others, but they didn't meet him yet until what? The breaking of the bread. You know, a year before the Last Supper, Jesus promised to give us the Eucharist. This was in John, John 6. He says that we must eat his body and drink his blood to have life. Now, here's what's interesting. You've heard me say before, the, the word tragon in, in the Greek means literally to chew or gnaw. 
But up until John 6, 54, the more common verb for eating, anytime eating was talked about, was essio. And so this is interesting because Jesus demands that we express our faith by literally eating in a physical way. Then we will live. We will live forever. You know the only two times that it is mentioned in the Bible that you will live forever? Genesis with the tree of life and here. The gospel about the Eucharist. You know, many... I went to Europe on a couple of pilgrimages over the last few years, and now churches are just really pretty museums, right? I went into my collar, I, I mentioned this before, and all I wanted to do was go pray, and I go to the front door of the church, and a woman stops me and says, that'll be th three euros. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to pray. They treat him as museums. And Jesus says that we must have him within us. We must partake, not just look or hear about him. Faith in Jesus is not lived by admiring like a museum or just hear about him in scripture, but by coming to union with him and eating the bread of life, not admiring a painting in a church. You know, seeing a loaf of bread on a plate will not satisfy your hunger. Not until you eat it. You know, Father Martin, I, I laugh because when I was a novice, I was working all day washing rocks, believe it or not. And I hadn't eaten all day and I got to dinner. I was really hungry and I loaded up my plate. And Father Martin, God rest his soul, was very quiet, didn't say much at all, very reserved. And he was behind me in the dinner line and he saw my plate and he says, I'm getting full just looking at your plate. <laughs> and I, I thought about that. It's like, no, we, we don't. We can't get full just by looking. We get full by eating, just eating the bread of life. You know, knowing the ingredients in the bread will not satisfy our hunger. That's what we read about, what, who Jesus is. Taking pictures of the bread will not satisfy our hunger. That's what we have in the beautiful paintings, although they are beautiful and good. They will not satisfy our hunger. Telling others about the bread will not satisfy your hunger. Man, I had this awesome piece of bread. You're just making me hungry. All right. Nothing will satisfy our hunger and bring us life except actually eating the bread. I can hear about the living bread all day long in the scriptures, and it is important. But until I eat the bread, do I not have union and full life and understanding of Christ to the full? Ah, no pun intended. Christ to the full. Why? Because in the flesh of Jesus, the spiritual and the human physical realms meet. In the sacrament. This is important. This is why us, our sacraments have both physical and spiritual realities, form and matter. The matter is the physical. What is the matter of the Eucharist? Bread and wine. The form is the spiritual. What is the form of the Eucharist? This is my body. This is my blood, the spiritual. Under the appearance of bread and wine, Jesus is contained, offered, and then received. Eating is always an act of reception. So having, this is important. So also is having faith. 
We receive it. And so we receive our faith. The faith is given to us. And so at communion, receiving him is an act of faith. You don't have to do something. You only have to receive. That's the Eucharist. You know, all Christians believed in the real presence of the Eucharist for 1,500 years after Jesus Christ. All of them. It was never debated until Martin Luther decided it wasn't so. Are we really going to believe that Jesus is going to say, I'm going to come to earth and start a church, which he did in Matthew 16, 18, but he's going to say, I'm going to get it wrong for 1,500 years until Martin Luther gets it right? No. Christ could not have been any more clear than explicitly saying, this is my body. That's what he does here. And in John 6, he did not say this is a sign of my body or this represents my body. Christ gave his priests the power to change bread and wine into his body and blood. He made the apostles priests by saying, do this in remembrance of me. This is important because a lot of people say, well, that means he's just reenacting. The priest is just a reenactment. He's not Christ at the altar because it says remembrance of me. Listen to this, Catechism 1341. The command of Jesus to repeat his actions, meaning do this in memory of me, does not only ask us to remember Jesus and what he did. It doesn't do just that. It is directed at the liturgical celebration by the apostles and their successors. Now, this is fascinating. Now I'm taking you back to seminary. When I had my Christology class and my sacraments class, I was blown away. And so when I missed this, when I did this reading a couple days ago, I went back to my seminary notes and said, you know what, I'm going I'm to pull this out because this is, to me, the whole essence of our faith. Now, the word remembrance, do this in remembrance of me, do this in memory of me, is what we call anamnesis. That's the Greek word, as Christ uses it. It does not mean remember the past. That's not the definition of the Greek word, amnesis. Our remembrance of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection is used just as the Jewish people used it when celebrating Passover. Now listen to this. Again, I'm taking you back to seminary, but stay with me. This is fascinating. It is not simply remembering and celebrating an event of the past, which our non-Catholic brethren tell us it means. No, it actually entails making the event real and present now. That's the Jewish meaning of Passover. It wasn't remembering the historical event in the past. It was making it present at that time. So that we can enter into a share in the Paschal mystery for our salvation into the upper room. When you are here with us at Mass, you are in the upper room. We are there. This is unbelievable. At Mass, you are not remembering an event of the past as a symbol. It's not a representation. It's a representation. We are there in the upper room. And then we are there at the crucifixion when Christ sacrifices himself. You know, at mass, consecration of bread and wine separately. Why do we consecrate them separately? 
Why do we consecrate the bread and the wine separately? Why don't I do it together? The body and the blood, I, my body and blood are together. Why do I consecrate? Why does a priest consecrate them separately? Because it's, it's, it's separation of the body and blood of Christ at Calvary. His blood was spilled, separated from his body. So the body and blood are separated. That's why we consecrate them separately. But then Jesus now defeats death. He can't die now. So his body and blood are now united. That's why I take a little bit of the host. We take a fraction of the host and we place it into the chalice. Because the body is reunited with the blood when Christ resurrected. His soul is united now with his body. His divinity has always been united to his body and blood and soul because, listen to this. Now, when we say that you receive the Eucharist, we say you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity. Now, why do we say it that way? Why do we say in the Eucharist you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity? Because the body, blood, and soul is his humanity. And then as man, and then as God, you receive his divinity. The, they are married together. They are united together. The body, blood, and soul is the manhood, <clears throat> the, the, the humanity of Jesus. Body, blood, and soul. And then that is united to his divinity. Himself is God. So we have in the mass everything. The whole theology of the scriptures. Jesus can't die now. So his body and blood must remain united to his soul and divinity. His divinity always remained united to his body, blood, and soul because he is God made man. So the communicant you receives either species, the host or the wine, or I should say the precious blood or the body of Christ, you are receiving all of it, the entire body, blood, soul, and divinity, whether it's just the host or just the body or the blood. Yes, one is concomitant in the other. When you receive the host, you're receiving the body with the blood concomitant, and you receive just the precious blood if you're sick or you can't eat. You're receiving the blood with the body concomitantly. Now, the mass starts with him being sacrificed as a man and ends with him being glorified as God. Wow, all of this is going on in the Mass. And in the Eucharist, we don't receive his mortal flesh. This is very important. You are cannibals. How could you be Catholic? You say you're eating the flesh? This was a human being, right? No, Jesus was a divine person with a human nature. Jesus was not a human person. Jesus was a divine person with a human nature, a divine nature he already had. He assumed a human nature. Now, in the Eucharist, we don't receive his mortal flesh as it was when he walked around on the earth. We are not cannibals. What you are receiving is his flesh in his glorified humanity. In his, it is in, it is his body and blood in his glorified humanity after he rose from the dead. So now you are receiving the living bread. This is what the scriptures talked about. Jesus chose to institute the Eucharist. 
during a Passover meal. And now he's doing it with these men at the table, a meal. Instead of a lamb being eaten, which it was at Passover, he becomes the unblemished lamb. Brother Ken just saying this. But did you know in the Passover sacrifice, the lamb had to be eaten? Or the sacrifice was invalid. Now we have a new Passover. And get a load of this. Do you know what the pa I, I want to share with you what I learned in seminary, because I think it's, again, fascinating. Jesus is passing over to his father by his death and resurrection. When I lift that chalice and patent, all came from God. We got broken. God redeemed us. Now, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will all return to God. That is the high point of the Mass. The priest lifting through him and with him and in him. Oh, God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Christ, after redeeming us and putting us on his shoulders, is taking us back to the Father. So it is true Passover. Jesus is passing back to God the Father. This fulfills the Jewish Passover and anticipates the final Passover when we, the church, join with him to pass over to God the Father. The Mass, you've heard me say this, is about the groom coming for his bride to pass her to the other side. This is what happens on the eighth day. We just celebrated it on Divine Mercy Sunday. On the eighth day, eight means eternity to the Jews. We will die and pass over to the other side. That's our Passover. And so when we pass over to the other side, our groom is going to be waiting for us to then take us to the Father. This is the meaning of the Mass. This is the meaning of Divine Mercy Sunday. This is the meaning of the Scriptures. That's why we have the Mass. Do you know what Mass means? It comes from the Latin Misa. Mass. We celebrate Mass. Mass comes from the Latin Misa, which means dismissal. You know what that was came from? That means you have a mission, dismiss mission. You eat and then you go. Ite miseest. Go, you are being sent. That's the meaning of the mass. You eat food for the journey and then you go and take Christ to the people. But we truly experience him most in that Eucharist. God bless you, because I got to be honest with you, I missed all this in my homily a week or so ago. I talked more about the event in, in Emmaus with the men. But when I went back to my seminary notes, like the men of Emmaus, all of a sudden, for me, the light opened and Christ was revealed in the breaking of the seminary notes. And so what that is is Christ real and present. We hear about him in the, in the scriptures, beautiful, but we experience him in the Eucharist. Praise be to God. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, and I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org 
or search Keeping It Marion on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts in imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keeping It Marian. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.